What's up, everybody? Happy Friday. Welcome back. Hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. You're listening to the Entrepreneurial Web with myself, Jeremiah Fox, as your host. And today we are Zooming. We're going to call it St. Cloud, Minnesota, because I don't know what else is close to there. Big city of 2,000 people and near the uh, North Dakota border. Uh, welcoming once again back to the show, a friend that I met through social media, uh, mainly Twitter, and then the relationship has grown from there. Now we mainly exchange on Tinder. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's Bumble. <Ha>. Bumble. <laughs> now my man here, uh, hot on Twitter, hot, hot on TikTok as well as Instagram. Um, and I'm going to quote him, and he doesn't know what quote I'm going to give him, so this will be fun for a moment, a little, little moment of uncomfortableness for him, hopefully. Um, this is a tweet that he recently put out. As a business owner in the service industry, I always treat my people well. I know my employees choose to work for me. They're not locked into anything and have the option of leaving at any time. If they're good for your company, make sure they keep on choosing you. Peace. Sounds like you own a restaurant. <laughs> How do you know? Yes, yes. I like that. Um, thank you for having me. First off, I appreciate um, being back on on the show. It's always an honor to to connect with you. Um, that's a great quote. I love I love that um, that type of leadership style. It's, you know, especially in in the restaurant business, it's it's unbelievable how well you know taking that approach to you know, treating your staff, treating uh, you know, your clients, they come in, they can choose to eat any other place. They choose to eat at your, your place. You have to treat them that way, you know, um, especially with staffing right now, treating your, your employees in a way that makes you want to come back every single time, makes the stress of um, anything as low as it can be. And then, you know, have, have, having them, um, you know, be grateful for, for working with you having you be grateful for, for having people, you know, that choose to work for you is, is, you know, an approach that really, really makes sense for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. so I didn't introduce you. So we got to okay. rewind a lot. I never said your name. <laughs> We're going to keep it like that for the rest of the show. And okay. it's funny because your, your, um, your, your zoom name is Fargo Mathnasium. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> so we'll just leave it at that. This is welcome Fargo Mathnasium. Sure no. Welcoming back Thane Taylor, also known uh, as Everyday Workout Man throughout social media and, um, and, and admired for his David Lee Roth-like hair. Um, <laughs> lots of inside jokes today, guys. You're going to have to just check our, especially our, our Twitter feed to see uh, what all this means. But um, so it, I, I know you at, at one point at least uh, invested in a restaurant and maybe you're, I think I recall from last time you were on the show, like your, your family owns a restaurant and you were involved in that somehow. Correct. Yep. So um, in St. Cloud, which is where I grew up, my um, my mom opened a restaurant. It's called Sawat D. It's a Thai restaurant. And um, my my aunts and cousins own a couple other um, of the same of the same name. So uh, after I got done with college and, and grad school, I chose to get into that as well. I invested with my aunt and cousin in, um, in a different location, and we've been running that for a little while. I've been a silent partner for the past five or six years now, but um, yeah, definitely. I, you know, when I, when I thought of that, you know, that quote is inspired by my re restaurant management days for sure. Yeah. 
And it's funny because, you know, you pointed out too, like lately it's even more so important because staffing is just so difficult and it's coming from a, a number of different reasons. It's not all the same. You know, there there's definitely in places like New York or if you're, um, I guess, L.A. too, uh, or if you're just in the medical industry, you know, there's there's vaccine mandates now and there's opposition to that. So people are leaving because of that. Um you know, companies had to downsize and they just had to let people go for an, a period of time. And a lot of them are coming back now and trying to lure some of these people back. But they're, you know, they've, they've found other things or, um, or or just don't want to work right now. And then there are the people that just save money, you know, somehow. I know some people got a good amount of government money and they just put it aside and they're just straight chilling right now mm-hmm. and not going back to work. And as you pointed out, it, it works on both sides of the coin, whether it's your, your customers or your employees. You're, you've got to be grateful in a way that they chose to either dine with you or work with you. Because as you pointed out, it does reduce that stress. It doesn't take it away completely. <laughs> right. In fact, right. it comes with its own, but uh, it, definitely, it definitely will reduce some of the headaches that you have. Um, and, and I feel like... For, for all of this, everything that's gone down in the last, you know, almost two years, restaurants are particularly well suited for this kind of uh, adversity because it's just like this all the time. Anyways, like staffing is always like that. You're just like, oh, I got this great new bartender. And, you know, your customers would be like, cool. Do you think you're going to be around a while? And you're like, nope. <laughs> just, <laughs> they're like, why? And I'm like, well, just I've, I've done this for a long time. And, you know, I would give everybody less than two years on average, mm-hmm. like if someone made it to like two years, I'd be like, wow, this, they either, either we're really complacent or they really like us. Exactly. So how many people uh, run, or like how many people do you, do you manage at your, your restaurant? Right now, um, two and a half, if you don't include my family. Wow. That's, okay. That's how skinny we are right now. Okay. And then what's normal? Uh, ideal operating for you yeah you know let's say february of 2020 it was maybe like eight okay so it's quite a big difference yeah um okay uh so what are you doing to like sorry i'm just kind of flipping this on you but this is great this is what are you you doing to, to kind of offset that are you just being overworked um, or having to reduce the amount of people that you take in or how does that work for you? No, we, well, we, we pulled on marketing, like all paid marketing. Cause we just can't handle mm-hmm. any more people. And that's the goal of paid marketing. So it's like, we're, we're, you know, we'd burn the candle at both ends. If we continued our paid marketing and we were completely overwhelmed, like we would just piss people off and we'd lose customers and our marketing budget would be a waste. So we just pulled all paid, paid advertising. So that helped us save money. Um, my, I put my kids to work. My oldest daughter's 14 now. She got working papers and I'm like, time to go. And then the younger two, I just pay them in pasta and, uh, they, I love it. you know, they, they come and help out. So everybody's had to pitch in. My wife, uh, has pitched in considerably and she's, uh, she's a, a math teacher, like New York city public school math teacher. So she does that during the day. Now, you know, a year ago, whenever, when she was like, okay, you know, let's just do this ourselves right now. You know, money was down, you know, uh, uh, our, our revenue was down because of all the restrictions and fear and all that stuff. And at the time she was teaching remotely. We live across the street. So it was just like, you know, she got off the computer and walked across the street and helped me out when I needed it. But now we're nearly back to like pre pandemic numbers 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's just really hard to get people. I've had people come in. So we had former employees come back after unemployment ran out. And then they were like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, after just a few weeks, I guess they had like a year and a half off and they were like, this no longer fits in my value system anymore. Right. And I get it. It's, it's a hustle. And it's, and, and it's not like they're, we're not, you know, they're making money. They're like, I was in this clubhouse room talking about this and like attracting, you know, uh, staff. And they were saying, well, maybe pay a little bit above minimum wage. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. Like servers are walking with like $300 cash a night. Right. So it's not like, and we're talking in like five hours, you know, now you bust your ass in that five hours, but you, you walk with money, you know what I'm saying? So I think there's a little bit of both. There's, there's this adversity to like hunker down and do the gritty work. People just don't want to do it. They had time off. They got paid to sit on their ass. There's this, uh, this lure of like, oh, get a, you know, a job where you just remote and you just sit at home in your underwear on a computer and like you get paid handsomely for it. I think a lot of, I think people think there's a lot more of those opportunities or that they pay better than they actually do. So they're like holding out, you know, to see if they could land one of those. I get it. It's not easy. Um, Mm -hmm. So those are some of the biggest problems for getting people to stay. And then people are just all over the place. You know, people are not committing to too much right now. People are scared which, you know, you have to honor that. I'm just like, you're scared to come in. Um, so basically, we're just busting our asses um, and making a lot of money while we're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, I mean, <laughs> it is definitely a hustle position for sure. And then I, I get that. It's like people were out for a year and a half, year plus, and then coming back and then whole, totally have to, to reframe mm-hmm. how they think about making a living, right? Um what you said at the beginning of that, that question, it, I think that's deeper than um, what's, what some people like think of it as. You said you, you stopped your, uh, a lot of marketing, right? Paid so, marketing. Yeah, we yeah. still do like, you know, social media and stuff like that. Um, right. I, think, I think that's uh, that approach makes a lot of sense. What you're doing right now is, is basically making sure the people that you have come in you're, you're taking care of them. So yeah. you're focusing on the client retention, repeat customers, stuff like that. So every, anybody that comes into your place has a good experience there, right? Exactly. And I think a lot of times if people get into businesses, they fo- focus on, you know, always lead management, getting more people in the door. Right, Whereas right. if you just take care of the people that come in already, you know, you don't have to worry about that turnover, like bad reviews or anything like that. I think... Sure. You know, that approach to any type of business, the client retention pays way, way, way more like compounding, mm-hmm. um, you know, benefits than always acquiring new leads and, and you know, a lot less energy too. So going back to the quote, you know, you're grateful for the people that come in, you know, being able to retain your employees too. Oh my gosh, how much difference does that make than, than having to retrain, you know? <laughs> more people all the time and that turnover is just like unbelievable amounts of energy can be spent and yeah. always having new people. So, you know, if you've got a good person, you got to, right. you, you got to try to keep them. And that's one of the reasons why I'm not being aggressive with it right now either. Cause it, it does require a lot of energy to train somebody. So I'm really like holding out and looking for the, someone that I feel like is really going to commit. And when I say commit, it doesn't mean like you're giving me 40 hours a week, you know, you know for 52 out of the year, whatever it looks like for you, whatever the arrangement we can make, but just so that I have that consistency that when I know that you're here, I can pass those batons and be confident mm-hmm. that 
that you know that level of uh, of commitment to the to the customer is still there, which is like that's what became like the the north star for us at this point is just like making sure that the people that are coming to the door are having the best experience. And it, you know what you pointed out goes across industries. It's not just the restaurant industry. I mean, when you listen to Tony Robbins talk, you know, in a blanket fashion across industries, and he talks about lead generation. I mean, they account external growth to maybe like 5% of growth. You know, it's not really, you're not really like scooping in all these poker chips because you're throwing marketing money out and getting all these brand new people. Like unless you're collecting data on them and really understanding, you know, how they're, they're interacting with your business. You, you, you know, you're kind of throwing shit against the wall to see if it makes a sound. Whereas when you're, when you're engaged with your current client base and you're getting that real time feedback, I mean, it's been overwhelming over the last like six months, how, how much people are like, this is, this is something special now. We're like, Oh, great. (laughs) We're just going to keep doing that, (laughs) you know? And yeah, I like it. It kind of points out the differences between running a business in, in theory versus reality, right? In theory, there's unlimited growth potential. In reality, you've got three people that aren't, you know, you, you hire, that's not your family. There's only a, a set amount of like, you know, clients that they can take care of yeah. um, at a satisfactory or, or, you know, a good level. So, um, you know, managing those expectations and those realities is, is a big thing that people don't realize until they're like kind of in the thick of it. So yeah. being able to adjust is a great thing like that. I, I've dropped that ball many times too. <laughs> All right. We're going to take our first break. Everybody hang tight. We'll be back in just a minute with more from everyday workout, man. <gasps> Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your conscious consultant. And on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower.
All right, everybody, once again, welcome back to the Entrepreneurial Web. I'm your host, Jeremiah Fox, welcoming back to the show today, Dane Taylor, the everyday workout man, David Lee Ross, fantastic hair, all those good things and many, many more. Uh, we were just having a really cool conversation about client retention and employee retention, especially because both are down, right? <laughs> We've lost a lot of both. Um, and I will say this, just to like conclude my thoughts on, on what we were talking about is that the pandemic was actually really good and offered us that the the reset I think that we needed because we had been open for almost five years when everything shut down, really in the thick of it, you know, full staff, commitment to all these different vendors and things that we thought we needed. And we got to like really step back and look at what was effective, what wasn't, how we could be better, which is really like the most important thing. You know, everybody wants that quick, like, oh, if I just put my money with this, you know, Bah, 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 bah. they're going to fix everything and we're going to start making money again. But often it's like internal. You have to look inside and make things better. So we started with the clients. Now we're, we're facing, you know, potentially bringing staff on again. we got like sparse up here and there. But I think so much about that now, about how I, like I was saying at the end of the last segment, I like, I really dropped the ball on that. I feel like before. And I had high retention. I mean, I have, like my kitchen staff has all been here since day one. Uh, you know, That's very impressive. Over over <laughs> five years now, yes, um, and up until you know March thirteenth of twenty twenty, I had two servers that had been here. I had a bartender and a server who had been here since day one. Also, so you know, half my staff had been here for for almost five years, which is that's like a high retention rate in a restaurant. So I kind of was like, okay, we're doing everything right, but there's been a value shift for sure you know, in the last uh, two years. So as we go back into that, I've had the time to kind of step back and just like the conversation's different, you know, like when I'm, when I'm bringing somebody on, what I'm looking for is completely different than what I was before. It was more like kind of skill set based. Now that's like the last thing on my mind, you know, right. Right. I'm just not thinking about that at all. Yeah. One thing that um, uh, with, with regards to the employee retention type aspect of it, um, one thing that I was very conscious not to do is to limit the growth of my employees mm. to kind of trap them into staying with you. Right. And I think that's something that, you know, if you're in, uh, there's a couple different mindsets. There's an abundance mindset and a scarcity mindset, right? If you're in a scarcity mindset, they're saying there's only a few, um, you know, employees that will work for you. You kind of try to keep them there as long as possible, no matter what the tactics are. Right. But I guarantee you, if you try to limit their skills, they're going to resent you for it. So you always have to, you know, do what's best for your employee, even if that means they're going to outgrow the position, you know? Um, so I think kind of having that as a, as a frame of mind, as a perspective, then uh, my cat just kind of snuck in here. <laughs> my goodness. Um, so yeah, that's that's one of the things that I think has really uh, helped how I operate as a manager, as a leader of uh, the companies that I try to move forward with. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors who he's franchised his restaurant uh, business, and he's also got a, a huge um, contracting business as well. He talks about this at length about, um, you know, upward mobility for employees. And when you put it, when you put too low of a ceiling on that and try mm -hmm. to keep them like in a certain spot, you're really just hurting yourself. You know I mean? There's certain ones you can just tell like right away, you're like, okay, this is, this is as far as this person is going to go. And that's okay. Cause they fill, they fill a certain position. 
Uh, I can see your cat starting to like get into the camera. That's so cute. Yeah. <laughs> Better than kids. Um, yeah. And, and, and I think that's a really, a really important lesson for employers to, to keep in mind is like, you know, as they grow, if you can, if you can negotiate that where as they grow, you grow, it's a, it's a win-win for everybody. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know if you've read the new Gary Vaynerchuk book, the 12 and a half. Have you, you've heard of it? Of course. Yeah. So he, <laughs> I, I've signed into Twitter in the last two months. Okay. <laughs> you never know. I do, I'm not trying to make assumptions, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so his whole thing um, is, is being able to lead with uh, your soft skills or traditionally soft skills and gratitude, yeah. empathy, um, accountability is a, kind of a harder soft skill. Right. Um, but, I, I think I, I listened to the audio version of that. It took a couple hours to get through and, and it, um, it does a really good job of uh, vocalizing the way that I like to think about management. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if you haven't read that, I think that's a really good one. I can send you a book. I've got a million. Of them. Right. Everybody's got all these copies of it. I know. <laughs> I love, I love hearing him talk about um, he and his dad kind of hashing everything out back in the day at the wine store, because his dad kind of represents the generation that I came up under, like in the same industries in wine stores in restaurants in you know, heavy service. Mm-hmm. And I'm very used to that approach, you know, and, and he's always saying, you know, like we used to butt heads because he would, he would hyper-focus on one thing. And I was over here like hyper-focusing on another. And that's more of like, you know, the management style people are used to these days. Um, and I, I kind of straddled that generation where I was like, I'm used to getting beat down by you, but yeah, it's a little too much and you're kind of a dick. And I kind of don't want to do what you're telling me to do right. because of the way that you're doing it. So when I hear him talk about it, it like heals old wounds in my own mind, you know, because I worked, I worked for like some hard immigrant dudes, you know, a bunch of Italian guys and stuff like that. And they just didn't care. You know, they were really, I saw people get physically assaulted just like crazy shit you know i was like oh okay you know you knew you knew where that's, that's why too far that's what caused you to take those jujitsu classes right? <laughs> it's part of the reason for sure um what was i gonna say about that i forgot the thought evaded me because you were talking about you brought up gary vaynerchuk and now yeah it's, and everything it's exploded yep. yeah now um, that happens uh, but, but that, well, th- what I wanted to transfer to was, um, you know, you, you had this experience, uh, in restaurants, but now you own the, the, uh, Fargo based, uh, mathnasium and you have staff there. Um, and your retention is probably, I'm going to assume it's higher. Um, but you still have employees and all these, you know, all the, the headaches and, and problems from, uh, from the restaurant remain, how, how have you approached it and how is it different or the same from the restaurant industry to this like education based uh, industry? Right. So um, right now I run and I'm planning to run a couple different types of businesses. They've got the family run, run business uh, in the restaurant that we've been talking about um, a franchisee type business in my mathnasium adventures in Fargo. And then I'm opening up a new business. It's like a, a sm- very small business. Uh, commercial gym. So, uh, that's a self-owned one. I'm no franchise or anything like that. I'm, I'm kind of the pure, uh, you know, person that's, that's running the ship on that one. So 
Uh, in terms of employees, between the restaurant industry and the education kind of sector, it's a completely different framework for why people are choosing to work with you. Right. In the restaurant, it seemed to be, you know, it's a matter of both convenience and a way to make money. And those were the two driving factors of why they would choose to, you know, be in a server, any type of uh, hosting front of the house position, right? Unless they just Um, love punishment, right? (laughs) Unless they just, you know, you know, there's a certain amount of people that that loves that type of thing. Yeah. But usually what it came down to is they're able to make the hours work. It's a little bit flexible sometimes if they get in right with the schedule, the manager, and then they can make money. So um, you know, that's, that's the restaurant business in the education sector. It's, you know, kind of a, a foot in the door for, do I really want to do getting an education for a career or do I like teaching kids or do I like being around this? Or do I like, you know, serving kids in this way? There's a, there's a certain amount of people that, you know, in their head being altruistic with their, with their skill sets, and then just like loving the fact that they can, you know, make kids confident with something they just think they'll be able to do that forever. Um, you know, in their minds, it makes a lot of sense. It's like kind of really awesome to, to think you're that kind of person. But when they Until get, you get locked it, inside a room with a bunch of kids, right. Then they're like <laughs> trying to achieve four kids at a time. And like, I'm not sure if I like kids that much. Right. Oh. So, um, you know, having college kids, I employ a lot of college students because um, there's three universities up there. It's kind of somewhat seasonal. Some people come back into the city and teach in the summer and then some kids teach you know when they're taking classes uh so it's really really good opportunity to you know get uh you know future educators in the door and see if they like it um so there you know in terms of turnover it's kind of the people that work for us uh we we tend to hire pretty well like we've got a good idea of who's going to make it work um and you know who's got the right personality for it but there's definitely turnover from you know, summer to to school yeah. season and back. If you if you've got college kids, yeah, you can't help it. It's just always going to happen. But you probably have like decent middle management that's more like they're around. Definitely, there's actually um, one of the people that actually the person that runs the center up there right now does all the in person communications, takes takes care of handling, um, you know, uh, parent uh communications does everything with the kids um she actually came to me from the restaurant uh so i kind of jokingly said hey um you know you like math and then, would you like your life to be easier <laughs> but yeah so she was a sushi chef uh working in the restaurant and then i was like i didn't have any client i didn't have any like employees at the time i was yeah. just starting up literally just myself uh in a new city and I kind of jokingly said, Hey, you want to work, uh, you know, for me with this math thing? And she's like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah. And it turns out she you know, was getting a degree in, in, in math. So I'm like, you're actually pretty good at this. And then she, you know, she kind of took the leap herself, moved over there and she went from, you know, sushi chef in a restaurant, which can be very stressful to, you know, center director of mathnasium. So, you know, that's, it kind of goes back to limiting potential type of thing. Right. If I were to kind of keep her in, you know, pigeonholed in a certain area, I would have no idea that she'd even be interested in another opportunity. Uh, she now has leadership skills or experience that she can draw on the rest of her life. Right. So 
that's kind of a cool turn on on how that everything came together with that. That's awesome. And yeah, the, I mean, I feel like the restaurant industry is great. It's a great like breeding ground for that talent because you see mm-hmm. people operate under this extreme pressure and you know they do not want to do this forever. And if you have another mm-hmm. avenue for them and you know like, oh, you're going to make my life a lot easier in this avenue because it's going to be easier for you. You'll make at least the same amount of money, if not more. And then there's like, long-term potential for it like that's a that's a big one i've tried to treat my place that way but everything got everything got shut down so we'll, yeah. we'll reassess all right time for another break we'll be back in just a few everybody hang tight howdy hey joseph franklin mcelroy host of the new podcast gateway to the smokies it airs on talkradio.nyc every tuesday night from 6 p.m to 7 Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Right, everybody, we're back again. Zooming to St. Cloud, Minnesota today, talking with Bane Taylor, otherwise known as the everyday workout man with the great hair. That will make references to his hair all show. Um, so restaurant investor, franchise owner, uh, franchisee. Are you a franchisee? Yes. Oh, yeah, franchisee of Mathnasium. And you, you just so subtly dropped the the little trailer crumbs about the gym, which I suspected from the first time, the first tweet about like, Oh, going to check something out. Like, and I'm like, okay, okay. Um, so last time you were on, we were talking about this, this long-term workout commitment. You've, you've got 2,632 day workout commitment every day for that mm-hmm. amount of time. And you're like so far into it. Um, September 2017 is when it started. So, right. 
I don't, I'm not going to do the math. You're the, you're the math <laughs> expert on that. I don't care when it ends because this is the point. And I, and I was thinking about it this morning and like what it, what it really represents. So in jujitsu, like there's the black belt, but it's like, that doesn't mean you're done. You're not like, huh, I got a black belt. I can destroy you all now. Like, no, there's black belts before you that was still going to kick your ass and you still will work for the rest of your life. But it's a matter of committing to that thing. And basically if you can commit to that and get to that point, it will likely be with you for the rest of your life. And I feel like that's what this, this challenge is for you because it's like, it's just you now you're, it's just mm-hmm. ubiquitous with you. And when you start to talk about things other than like your, your current, uh, you know, jobs and businesses, I'm like, he's opening a gym, he's opening a gym. And then like you dole out these little bits and pieces. And I'm like, that look that kind of, kind of looks like a gym that, not for nothing. So, so it's funny how that started. I, um, you know, a gym has always kind of been in the back of my mind for years and years and years. It's been yeah. kind of simmering there. And when I, I got this, uh, commercial rental, rental property, I think in June of last year, so, or June of this year. So it has been what, five or six months, five or six months. And then, um, you know, ever since I got that, I was like, oh, it's kind of an, a nice piece of passive income, which I've, you know, it's my first property that I've I've had in, in this type of sense. And it's the closest thing that's come to passive income. It's just like, just make sure that nothing breaks down. The, did you, did you a, buy the, you bought the space? Yeah. So I, yeah. I, okay. it's got six units in there. So mm-hmm. um, right now it's got, I think, three paying clients and a couple of vacant ones that I'm renovating and, and trying to rent out at some point. I've got some billboard space above that I'm going to rent out pretty soon. But, um, you know, as long as I make sure the communal bathrooms are clean and then everything's, you know, the clients are happy with it, lights are changed and stuff. Um, it's the most thing, most passive income, you know, I've, I've ever had, which right. is amazing. Yeah. Um, so I got that in June. In July, one of the tenants uh, basically wanted to to move out. He was done. Uh, with that space, you kind of want to leave with the old landlord. So uh, I kind of could view that as a, you know, this kind of sucks. I just bought this place and one of the tenants is already leaving, which, you know, it's how it's like money out the window. Right. But I also saw that as a huge opportunity. I've been thinking about having a gym space for a very long time. And I own this building where I can place a gym space. I called the city making sure that zoning laws were fine and I didn't have to worry about any of that. And the city said it was okay. Um, I've got a space and, you know, if not now, then when, right? So I just kind of went for it. Um, right now I'm at a spot in the gym where uh, all the equipment's ordered, pretty much everything is in place. I'm just waiting on a couple things. Um, I've got some really, really talented artists that are going to paint the walls so, you know, the inside looks great, but it's, it's, you know, cosmetic stuff at this point. So very excited for the things that are happening there. That's um, really awesome. Mm-hmm. That's so great. And it excites me because I want to do the same. Like I've, I've had this thing on the back burner in the back of my head for like a long time now and something similar, like a space opened up uh, for me. It was just, it's a studio. It's pretty small, um, but the need was there. And the space was available. And this was around the same time, like June or July of this summer. And I was mm-hmm. just like, all right, fuck it. Let's go for it. You know? And for me, it was funny. Um, you know, I didn't, 
I didn't, I was training with like some friends, you know, but like, I'm not charging him any money. You know, we were just, it was just like communal. We were getting together and keeping each other in shape, especially with jujitsu and stuff. But people started to ask me like right at the same time, just out of nowhere, like, Hey, can you train me? Like I post these videos all the time, especially on, on Instagram uh, and TikTok. Um, of, of my workouts because it, it was just something that changed during the pandemic. And I know you do, you do something similar and um, it turned into like lead generation without me even thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. And like the first two guys are really happy with it. And they were like, Oh, this is great. And then they each told somebody. And so that two became four, the same as the restaurant. I was just like, less is more right now. Cause I don't have infinite amount of time. Um, but now I'm training, you know, like six, seven guys, they're paying me, you know, just for like, very cool. for like fitness and stuff like that. Awesome. Thank you. Um, so I'm like watching this happen with you and I'm like, I'm yeah, like, let's, let's go. Let's do it together. I got to grow my hair back out now. That's freaking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, but do you, so do you have like potential, do you have potential clients lined up yet? Are there like people waiting for the grand opening to come in? To yeah. So that? it's funny. It's funny you say that um, the space that I have right now, it's, it's very small. I mean, it's like, 350 400 square feet yeah Yeah. so um get it i've uh you know i built out the space and right now i've been working out in it in it to see how it's like Mm -hmm. and kind of visualizing you know if it would work as open enrollment type of thing where people just come in whenever they want and i don't believe it would work like that because you know five o'clock rolls around and people get off work maybe three or four people want to get in there at a time it wouldn't even handle that so um the the business model that I'm having for it is a little bit different. Um, I'm basically going to rent it out to personal trainers to use as one-on-one training type of thing. Nice. Um, you know, there's a bunch of places like 20, uh, Snap Fitnesses, 24-hour fitnesses mm-hmm. uh, that have trainers available. But, you know, if they haven't gone to, the, to those places, they might not have the equipment and might not have the, you know, the privacy that somebody might want for that type of thing. Um, and you know, as that type of thing, a very, it's like a, basically a cave of, of gains. Right. So that's like, it's, I love working out in there. It's a very nice place for, for a very private place to, to work out. Um, there's not many business models in, in terms of, uh, you know, commercial gyms that I've seen that operate like that. Right. Um, but that's okay. It's just kind of one of the things that I've wanted to do for a while. And luckily I don't have to rely on that as a form of income right away. I've got the, exactly. I've got the restaurant, I've got, I've got whatever. So I can be very, very, very patient with that, you know, operating it with that as a business model. Um, there's a couple people that, you know, uh, are tenants of the building that actually want to be clients there. Um, I haven't taken them on yet because I don't want to, I don't want to have that as a business model. So I, you know, I might just say, Hey, you know, this is, you're going to have to come in on your own time and in very awkward hours and just kind of pay me what you want. Right. So I might do that with them as like a a perk of, you know, renting from me, but yeah, this is definitely not going to be uh, an open enrollment type of type of situation. No, I think that's a good look. I mean, I'm having to do the same thing. And and the funny part is a, a lot of the guys want the privacy these days. You know, they don't want to be in there with other people. You know, like they, it's a big enough step that they trust me to be in the same room with me. And like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people here still haven't done that much. They're like, you know, New York's a different yeah. place. <laughs> Especially <laughs> with jujitsu, right? 
That's yeah. Well, the thing about so jujitsu is different because like jujitsu guys just don't give a shit. (laughs) (laughs) Like they're like me getting smashed by that black belt is going to be much harder. You know, it's gonna. That's I'm more afraid of that than catching corona. (laughs) Um, I got a question for you very quickly on the jujitsu. The people, the clients that you bring into your personal space, Mm -hmm. do any of them pull guard? (laughs) (laughs) So again, we're I'm. I'm not teaching jujitsu. I'm not teaching jujitsu for money. So like the people that are paying me are paying me just for fitness. So it's largely, it's largely calisthenics. We're doing some kettlebell stuff. I don't have a lot of equipment, um, but I, I, you know, I've got huge, just like endless calisthenics routines. And these guys are basically beginners. They're, you know, they're not, they don't know a bunch of stuff. They've, they've really got to build their strength up. Every now and then we field trip and go like to the park, which is just a block away. And there's some workout bars there. So we're working on like pull-ups and dips and different things like that to get them uh, acclimated to, to you know, uh, using weight. Um, and then there's a little uh, sitting park right across the street from my place too. There's like a firehouse right there. And they just got like all these benches and it's just concreted out and like concealed and we'll go in there and I'll put them through like a, like an urban, you know, workout, just using like the benches and stuff like that. Um, so, uh, but my friends and, and like old training partners do come through and we do train together. And like, I'll show them a technique here there. Cause a lot of them have not rejoined schools. They're just like, everybody's just like kind of clandestine and little pop-up places still. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of the only people that's actually joined a school. Unfortunately for me, it was Hensel Gracie Academy, like, you know, the Harvard of, uh, of, of jujitsu basically. So I'm getting all these like cool little, you know, tricks and techniques and stuff like that. So I'll share uh, some techniques with them, but this is just, you know, it's just, uh, there's no money involved. We're just doing it for fun. It would be inappropriate for me to charge them, you mm-hmm. know, uh, and like the, the, the value system of jujitsu would kind of be frowned upon. And again, I'm in the same situation. Like I don't need the money for this. This is just, it's fueling something that I think will turn into something bigger, but at the moment I'm just having fun. Um, But out of the guys that come in there to train with me every now and then, one was try to pull guard. And I'm like, you can't have that. Don't do that shit, man. (laughs) I mean, the good thing is like, it's really, it's kind of really frowned upon at Henzo's. I like that. They're into attacking you know, they're into sweeping and all that stuff. And it, it's dangerous too. I mean, a friend of mine in a competition, uh, he's an instructor there actually. Um, just a couple of months ago, this guy, they were, at, uh, I don't know, they were in Vegas or something like that. It was a big IBJJF competition. And this guy pulled guard and tore his ACL, like reconstructive surgery. All oh, just this guy doesn't want to get swept. Just take your sweep, get back to your butt right. and work from there. You know what? I think I've been, I've, I'm very well known on Twitter for talking about deadlifts and slammies and I want to make a movement um, for you. I know you're, you know, you're, you're already doing this, but um, however loud your voice can be about not pulling guard, pull I want guard. to amplify yeah, that yeah. the whole world should know. Yeah. That's not, that's not a cool thing to do. I, I, I suck at wrestling, but I'm much more on the, the wrestle to the ground side of things, you know, mm-hmm. um, than, and doing that bullshit it's passive aggressive it's no good all right one more break we'll be back in just a minute we'll wrap this baby up everybody hang tight join us every tuesday at 4 p.m eastern for the mind behind leadership where we focus on what leadership really means to us and to others we have practical discussions with the ceos of some of the world's largest companies owners of small businesses and experts in psychology and behavior to get that inside track 
what to do, what to avoid, and what really happens. Join me, Graham Dobbin, at the new time, 4 p.m. every Tuesday for the Mind Behind Leadership here live on talkradio.nyc. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. good question i appreciate that question i like that um i will say this and and this is a fun fact about adcc rules so in adcc you're familiar with adcc you know what it is so um you know you have to start on your feet and you have to grapple to the ground if someone snaps you down to your knees and you're on your knees and they're still standing and you can maintain the position where they don't get you down into like a front headlock position or anything. And you're on your knees for like, I think it's four seconds and you're stable. You can sit through the guard and not be penalized. Okay. Which is tough because those guys are trying to snap your head down. So they snap you down to your knees. It's quite easy from that, uh, from that position to get the head down even further. And then you're a front headlock or whatever, but there are guys that are like skilled at that. The other thing you can do if you're like that confident in your butt scooting and your ability to like enter the legs from the bottom, which is I work with a lot of guys that way, they'll sit the guard and take the penalty mm-hmm. just to get the action where they want it to go because they they feel like they're going to need, you know, against a tough opponent, they're going to need like the full 15 or 20 minutes just to, to get the breakthrough. They don't want to waste time standing. They'll just sit and get the penalty and still win by submission because they'll get a heel hook or something like that. It's kind of funny the way that plays out. So like, you know what? Go ahead. I, as a, I'm, I'm a very much a novice in jujitsu, but I, like I've, I've rolled around a bit. Um, and I understand what most of the lingo is. I, I'm very glad to know that there is a penalty associated with pulling guard. So yes. uh, thank you for, for stating that. Cause I'm, that makes me happy. So it's, yeah, like that scenario, like the big guard pulls come usually in the gi and most often in IBJJF competitions or circuits that are operating under IBJJF rules. Outside of that, especially in no gi and submission grappling, which is what I'm mainly doing these days is submission grappling and um, and MMA. I put the gi on maybe like once a month right now, um, just because I'm, I'm kind of fascinated by it. I, I feel like 
more connection to it. It, it kind of narrows the, the options down because when you have the gi, there's so many things that can go wrong. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like if a guy's clever with the gi, you'll be tied up you right. know, <laughs> with your own gi and his gi. And then he's got free hands and he just like chokes you and does his, you know, his bidding. But um, you don't you don't see it that often. But what guys will do is just immediately sit to guard, which I'm like, it's got its place. Okay, I understand. Like, if you're that good, but it's just funny to me. Like, when guys slap hands and one guy just sits down, and I'm like, mm-hmm. you should be able to kick him in the face. At least, <laughs> like, I think there should be like one, one face free kick, kick. just one attempt. And like, if you connect and he goes out into the match, you know, yeah. and that's it. But like, <laughs> if he's, you should be able, like, every time he sits, just like rev one up and like make his ass move and do something. Cause mm-hmm. come on, come on. Um, <laughs> that's my thoughts on that. I like how you but, think. Again, very good question. I like that. I mean, in MMA, you can't do any of that shit. Like all of it's just you're you get destroyed. You know, whether it's uh, whether you're just getting punched and kicked in the head because you made a, a bad move, or it goes to decisions and the judge is like, "Yo, he literally sat down." Like it's, it's just so <laughs> frowned upon. And even like when someone takes you down, because we start, it's always standing, you know, and they're trying to take you down. They want to get on. They want to get you to the ground. They want to dominate you. Um, your goal is always just to get back up, not to stay down and grapple and be like, oh, hey, I know jujitsu. Now I'm going to try to do a Kimura. He's like, get the fuck up. Get mm-hmm. back to your feet so you can manage the distance and you can get away. It's just, you know, they say in jujitsu, like your early days, bottom of closed guard is actually a neutral position to the person on top. It's not an advantage. That is not the case in MMA. In the MMA, they have gravity on their side and your mobility is limited because your back is on the floor and they can just rain down health and fire and damnation and fury. And it's really hard to deal with. So the goal is to get back up so that it's changed my mindset in terms of, uh, in terms of grappling um, and, and helped in, in business as well. <laughs> I like that. Yeah, <laughs> it definitely is help because, uh, yeah, well, first of all, because I don't take out my aggression on my employees and my customers, <laughs> I get it taken out of me, um, during the, during the day in class. Um, and yeah, there's some other, there's some other really great benefits to it, especially if you've got the right teachers. Um, one other thing I wanted to just touch upon because I know you, you've been following it and you've been involved. Um, I don't know where you're at with it, but as far as another terms of, uh, another, uh, you know, uh, potential for passive income is NFTs. You're, 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 you're following along much closer, much closer. That's <laughs> a word. Yeah. Today. <laughs> you're, you're, you want a math place, <laughs> not a linguistic space, <laughs> much more cl- closely than I, um, have you, have you taken the, uh, plunge and invested in anything? Or are yes, you just definitely. like, you have, okay. So um, there's a really interesting space, obviously. Um, I I got into it from the original Friends Mint. Um, so that I didn't, I've heard Gary talking about it for a, a very, very long time. Um, but like a lot of other people, like NFT, what does fungible yeah. mean? What is, you know, what does any of this mean? Had the same questions, had the same perspective as, as a lot of people not you know, just kind of wading into the waters there. Um, but I, I've been following Gary for six, 10, I don't know how many years. And I believe in the approach. I believe in the mindset and like this, like kind of what his framework is. Uh, so I got in on a couple of V friends, which is great. I mean, that investment's paid off really, really well if I want to cash out. Um, overall, I think 
as an investment for other things, I wouldn't go anywhere close to anything <laughs> NFT wise. Um, if you're looking to get like, um, you know, get investment money from it. Right. Uh, I do have other ones, but it's mostly for just like, I like what some of them are like as an art or what they represent. Um, I think it's a really cool idea. Uh, potentially if I want to take like tutoring services online, um, you know, for other people, I think that's a really cool idea to be able to contract out services mm-hmm. in that fashion. So the opportunity or the potential for me to think about playing with it as like a, a you know, a separate business idea. I think that's, uh, that's what really interests me about yeah. the NFT world in general. But a lot of people are seeing it as like a cash grab or like something to the moon, yeah. which is very similar to the kind of the, uh, the crypto coin talk six months ago. Right. So people were big on Dogecoin. Then it got to like Shiba and a bunch of other coins. Now, you know, a couple months later, border like the yacht club or whatever, and then crypto punks that got huge. And now a bunch of other things are trying to get in on that money grab. So, um, you know, obviously a very high risk, high reward type of thing, uh, but it could all, you know, crash down. So, um, you know, the, the money that I put into it, I can like, I, in my mind, it just like is done. It has gone to zero already, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so. That's a good approach. That's a good approach. And I like how you took it beyond just like the art application. And it's like, there's so many other opportunities for it, which is why I'm like hesitant to like jump in on any, like I saw that somebody was a famous guy, like wealthy guy. And he was like, so should I invest my money in like real estate, an actual physical property or like <laughs> a pixelated monkey, right, <laughs> you know, right. like look for the payoff there. It's a tough question we have to ask ourselves these days. Oh, you have a visitor. <laughs> it's going to be like five minutes. It's like, not even, we got to wrap up anyways. Okay. Um, yeah. So you can, you can tend to that. Uh, I've got my own to tend to as well. Hi, it's okay. My kids crash my stuff all the time. It's all yeah. good. Dude, thank you so much. Really great stuff. Always a pleasure to talk to you. We will definitely do this again. If you want to check out my man thing again, everyday workout man, or just e-day workout man on, uh, on Twitter and see what he's up to. Uh, Twitter, I think is one of the best places to really stay current with what his business goings are. And if you just want to see him like throw concrete balls around or lift really heavy shit, um, hot on TikTok and also Instagram. So check him out. Thank you so much again, brother. Really appreciate it. I will talk to you soon. The rest of you, we will see you next week. Have a great. Awesome thank you weekend. so much for having me. Pleasure, man. Peace out, everybody. Take care. ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc.
Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, live, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. informed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. UK Time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 